Hello, to whomever's listening, I am the Night Talker, a friend of contemplative dialogue that manages to sit quietly during the day, and when the day is done, he speaks. Would you think on these things? channel surfing and ran across uh, this network, uh, started to watch the series, uh, Silent Witness, I'm not advertising for anybody, but it's about pathologists who determine the cause of death, you know, that's a very uh, intricate, detailed way, uh, manner of work, um, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not, but it's, it's a, it, I'm finding it fascinating just watching just a play and the interaction there. Now, you got to watch me because I'm a theater major from Mercer, so um, I look at television, look at movies and plays and that type, that type of entertainment. Uh, I look at it differently. I'm, you know, I'm director-bound, and I like looking at uh, the way people make decisions about who will, um, who does the leading role, the body type. I like watching staging and lighting and... Uh, character development, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm watching this show and I'm looking at this culture that is a little, well, not a little bit, but certainly different from American culture and decisions around who plays the leading role, the body types and, and the personalities of the presentation, the lighting, the casting directors, decisions about various characters and uh, the, the costume design, you know, the whole bit. And I'm fascinated by uh, British culture, uh, the culture that's being displayed on the stage on the screen. And this show, though, is, 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 is uh, provocative as a series. Lots and lots and lots of uh, seasons to watch. So you kind of get used to watching crazy deaths and resol resolutions to how people die and, and the stories that, that embrace this search for truth. So that's right in, right in my vein of, you know, in my, in my genre of interest, uh, uh, whodunit, mysteries, that kind of thing. Well, all of that is just to say this, that as you get older, you start to pursue your own realities around your own mortality. And so the thoughts of, of uh, cause of death, you know, can be anxiety generating. And when you're a heart transplant patient, <laughs> you know, you know there's certain things you have to be concerned about in terms of your recovery, uh, medications can really create some problems, some side effects. You have to watch your kidneys, seriously watch your kidneys, watch the numbers around your kidney, of course, because you haven't processed so much. Um, and then, of course, there's prostate cancer. Uh, you know, these are, you know, among black men, that's just, that's a, that's to be considered seriously, period. I mean, you know, but there are, there are certain effects on your prostate gland that you have to watch. So, so you, you know, you're constantly, constantly laboring uh, as a heart patient, a heart transplant patient, you're constantly focused on uh, worrying about whether or not your heart's gonna, your body's gonna accept your heart even after three years or four years out, such as my case. You know, I've never had any problems uh, with uh, the issue of uh, rejection, uh, but those are issues that are very real, very, very real in your life. And, and then there's infection, 
Uh, you have anti-infection procedures. You have to, so you're constantly, constantly dealing with that anxiety. But here's the deeper relation. Here's the d- d- deeper issue here that, that emerges. You know your cause of death. <laughs> you have some sense of how it's going to happen. You know, no, 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 no. I didn't say that you, you I don't mean that you have this, this ipso facto, no, but... The suggestions are really clear. And within a medical certainty, you can almost discover in your own inner thoughts, this is how it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, either your heart's just going to stop. There are no nerves connected. You know, you just, either your heart's going to stop, you know, or you're going to end up into, in some terrible place of dialysis, facing infection. Every, every chronic illness, every transplanted patient has to deal with some levels of this anxiety. And many of them will take psychotropics. Others will be psychotropics plus psychotherapy. You know, but me, I'm, I trust in Jesus. And I'm okay. And the times that I'm not okay, I recognize that it's a time that I'm just not okay. And I try to, I try to stand on my faith and, and try to do but I've entitled this particular discussion, Walk the Meaningful Mile. You know, I, t- I try to face my life with more meaning now, understanding and extrapolating the meaningful aspects, essentials, and I try to base my life on those essentials and that effort to discover essentials. I don't like living. I don't want to live superficially. I've done enough of that. As a matter of fact, that's probably how I managed to miss congestive heart failure, and believed, as earlier doctors had told me, that it was asthma, exercise-induced asthma. <laughs> All my life, you know, I thought I was just a seriously sick child with asthma, and my heart was, you know, from the very start, not a healthy heart. But this is the plight of my life, and this is a story I have to tell. And so, you know, I, I wonder... I wonder sometimes if, if people really understand how important it is to think about life after death and determine which is of more value, life before death, life after death. Are the consequences really from having mismanaged life before death that we have to face after death? Most people don't want to believe that. Most people want to believe when you're dead, you're done, because it's safe that way. Just like if you don't believe in God, then there's no sin, right? <laughs> okay, so because sin is about that movement away from God. So if you take away God, then you're not moving away from God. You're just moving. <laughs> well, I don't go for the easy stroke, okay? I'm looking for the way to your matters and the deeper doctrines. I'm looking for the truths that that sit at the basement of reality and allow for reality to have foundation and allows reality to flourish and develop and to, 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 be, to be transformed and to grow and to enlarge in itself to what the base is already predestined it would be. Well, I don't know if you understand that, but what I'm just saying is I don't like to play games. <laughs> and so here I am uh, sitting here thinking seriously about the meaningful mile, you know, walking that mile, 
feeling the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run is the way Rutley Kipling has placed it, and I agree with him. To deal with what's intolerable in the most tolerable manner I know how to deal with it so that I can discover the deeper, deeper, deeper meanings that rest inside tolerance. <laughs> yeah. But the idea of wrestling with one's mortality is foolishness. We don't wrestle with it. We try and perceive it. We try and we, we should try to, to embrace it and caress it. Because while the Bible tells us that every man will not die, that when Christ returns, and this is Christianity, some of you don't believe, oh, there he goes, you know, here I go, you're right. If Christ is to return, and I believe that he will, there will be those who remain. But of those who will die before his return, those of us who will pass away before his return. Let me just say this. Considering death is not foolishness. Embracing your own mortality helps you discover new leases in life. How to value the breath of life measures heavily on how seriously you see the breathless point of death. Yeah. I remember standing at Emory Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, Decatur, Georgia. And the doctor said to me, it's time now. Your heart is sick enough. We need to put you in the hospital. I got my car. I said, I need you to. He's looking down at me because I was sitting in a wheelchair. He didn't have to tell me those things because I knew it anyway. I could feel it. Life just rushing out of my body. I could feel it. He says, go into the bathroom and, and give me a urine sample. <laughs> my son was standing beside me. Not really my son. I went into the bathroom, provided the urine sample, came out of the door, and not really my son looked at me and smiled. I smiled back. And I remember somebody unplugged the light. Yeah. No choirs, no angels, no bright lights, no walking into the light, none of that movie stuff. And that's it. <laughs> and I discovered then what nobody else really knows. Very few people know. When I recovered after three paddles and a, and a little turbulence in intensive care, I heard voices calling my name. Pastor Stevens, KC, Carlton. And they opened my eyes and a bunch of strangers were surrounding me. I was in bed and strangers were surrounding me smiling and not my son was looking at me with tears in his eyes and he made me promise I'd never do it again 
at that point, I understood what had happened. I met breathlessness. And the value of the breath I took was taking with ease. It was like nothing I've never valued before. It was like this time completed. Finish it. Finish it. And so here I am, finishing it. The meaningful mile, the walk beyond the edge, the return, the resuscitated consciousness of the meaningful mile presses me hard and fast to produce something, to leave something, to touch something, to become something else, something more, something greater, something more powerful, something more immeasurable. The meaningful mile is my opportunity to say something that others cannot say because I've been where few have gone. There's no report from the dead. There's reporting from the dead. <laughs> Flatlined realities. Oh my God. So many questions I have to ask myself. <laughs> I want to leave something behind that allows somebody to move forward with a vigor and an excitement. And here's the challenge. Walk the meaningful mile. Make life meaningful. Don't, don't experience life lackadaisical with, with uncertainties and truths unproclaimed and questions unasked. <laughs> Grapple with the moment of every meaningful step. You know, don't soft shoe shuffle through life. Really begin to embrace, first of all, that to really move, you got to decide about the relationship between <laughs> life before death and life after death. Decide how you feel about that. And once you've done that, once you've done that, now begin to examine life before death and quietly and calmly in the wisdom of your own probing, discover what so many before you have already discovered. That living life is about learning how to die. That's not morbid. <laughs> What's morbid is, 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 fantasizing that you never have to be concerned about those kinds of things. You just live, live, live. When you die, you die. When you're dead, you're done. I think that's morbid. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to admit, watching uh, a series with several seasons of uh, pathologists dealing with the life and death issue, 
you know, and looking at it with intensity like I do could get pathological. <laughs> yes, it could. But what a pleasant passage. What, a, what an interesting gateway to walk through. Because the deal is, commercials come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can pause it, you know, and go get something to drink, something to eat. You can say, I've had enough, and come back and watch later, or watch the next day, or even two days later. Hmm. Therein lies the responsibility of the journey. I said the meaningful mile. I didn't say squander, <laughs> fantasize, and, and, and become obsessed, and even compulsive. I said, watch. Key word in our scripture, watch, be alert. Process, think. <laughs> yeah, I am seriously pressing you on this. I think that the meaningful mile is the issue that makes the mile worth walking. It's it's time we it's time we grapple with what happens when a personality or when a when an identity when people are are, are forced to quarantine themselves to be forced into quarantine by some sickness, some disease, some virus, some law, some government. That's, that's something you can fight about. You can do all you want to about it. But to place yourself in quarantine because of higher knowledge and deeper insights and a love for other folk, that requires character. And not everybody can do that because not everybody has character. <laughs> but only those who understand the messaging that comes from the meaningful mile and the walk thereof can determine how to care for not just yourself, but for every life that you touch or every life that touches you, virtual or in person, masked or unmasked, vaccinated or unvaccinated. The reality is, it's life before death that measures life after death. <laughs> I dare you to think on these things. I dare you to embrace your own mortality and start living like you recognize that living, while exciting, Powerful, joyous, celebrating life every day, being excited about living a new day. It is not the pinnacle of human existence. Hmm. It's recognizing and celebrating how to die after having lived such a life that raises the eyebrow. Trust me when I tell you that. But until I see you next, think on these things. Listening is indeed a gift. Thinking is man's way of avoiding himself as he comes to know himself. 
Join in again next time. We'll see you then.